You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Tricia Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller. Episode 11. After running for a full five minutes or so, the group slowed down, fairly certain the recruits were not in pursuit. They crossed back over the tracks and continued walking. That is why you don't get involved, Sid said through grit teeth. What are we going to do without him? Denver whimpered, trying to adjust her backpack unsuccessfully. Trant jogged up to Denver and took her bag, putting it over his own shoulder. He would have wanted us to keep going, he said. Keep fighting. Where are all those recruits going or coming from on the train? Kyle wondered aloud. What are we walking into? I'll tell you one thing, Sid said. Once we get to my apartment, I think we should split up, go our separate ways. Everyone slowed down and looked at her. I mean it, she continued. I'm bad luck or something. First Ben, then Cody, now Gil. My dad's probably already been recruited. No good can come of being with me. So go, save yourselves. Let's just get off the streets and regroup, Kyle said gently. We can visit this again later, Sid. None of this is your fault, Jeannie told her. And just how are you going to fight recruits by yourself, Trent asked. We need to stick together. Andrew walked more closely to Kyle. It's so dark, the boy said. Kyle nodded, agreeing that without Gil's headlamp, the tunnel was frighteningly dark. Good thing about the darkness, he told the boy, is that if we can't see them, then they can't see us either. Sorry about your mom, Kyle whispered. You can stick with us. You can stick with them, Sid reiterated. We should take a minute and honor Gil, Denver said. I think we should focus on getting the hell out of this tunnel of horrors, Sid argued. I'm half Thai. We honor the dead by building solids, Denver continued. Sol what's? Trent asked. Solids, Denver explained. They're these huge, colorful towers full of household items that the dead might need in their afterlife. We didn't do anything for Cody, Sid remarked. Ben's probably dead too, and Sam. Denver stopped walking. Gil helped me with my ankle when the rest of you jerks were calling me a baby. And plus, he saved our lives about ten times. Oh, really? Sid shot back. Gil yanked me into a room and locked the door. If he had left me alone, maybe I could have found Ben. Or maybe you'd be dead, Denver said, or a zombie soldier. Kyle put a hand on Sid's shoulder, which she immediately shrugged off. Sid marched on. I'm not stopping, she said. You want to build a commemorative tower, and we're running for our lives. Sid, Kyle barked suddenly. Do whatever you want after we bring you home. Just stop being so stubborn and give her a minute. We're grateful to Gil, and I know you are too. Sid stopped, taken aback by Kyle's aggressive request. If we can't value our connections with each other, then what is the point of surviving this at all? He asked. Sid stood and stared disbelievingly at Kyle. Then, like a scolded child, she dropped her backpack and folded her arms. Denver removed the wrap from her ankle and carefully placed it on the tunnel floor, keeping her fingertips on it. I don't remember how it all goes, but it's something like this. I am of the nature to die. 
There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground on which I stand. They stood silently, remembering Gil. Even Sid had to swallow back the lump that was involuntarily forming at the back of her throat. She knew that if she stood still too long, it would all start to get to her. That's kind of nice, actually, Trent said. Sid faced the other way. Denver stepped back and turned to the group. And now we kneel three times and offer good deeds to Buddha. We'd light incense, but since I don't have any... She reached deep into her pack and removed Cody's lighter. She lit the lighter and held it up. We also pour water on the floor to honor the dead, she said, finding her water bottle and dripping some water on the tracks. Andrew untied his mother's bandana from his burned hand. He handed it to Denver. For my mom, he said softly. Denver took the bandana and nodded. She piled it against the bandage Gil used to wrap her ankle. Who knew you were so spiritual? Sid said, not so under her breath. Jeannie huffed. What would you know about it, she remarked. Sid spun around to face Jeannie. Just what the hell is that supposed to mean? We've been through a lot together, Kyle warned Jeannie. If you're only going to start trouble. I just don't know where she gets off ripping on someone for their devotion when she doesn't know the first thing about it, Jeannie replied. Sid's mouth dropped so hard it almost made a sound. What? I don't know about devotion. She marched up to Jeannie until their faces were inches apart. Who do you think you are? Jeannie held her ground. You had the perfect guy and you lied to him. Meanwhile, you're slobbering all over this guy, Jeannie said, gesturing to Kyle. Are we supposed to believe you're on some honorable quest to save the boyfriend? You don't know nothing about nothing, Sid hissed. So keep your mouth shut and your feet moving. Does Kyle know about the drugs? Jeannie continued. Sid pushed past her and stormed off. Kyle looked up from his shoes. I wasn't finished the ceremony, Denver interrupted. Sid stopped in her tracks. You want to talk about drugs? Yes, I take pills, she yelled. I buy them from a girl in school for my panic attacks. Happy? Jeannie rolled her eyes. Oh, right. You don't have to explain, Kyle told her. Suddenly, the tears were coming down Sid's face, as if all the pent-up tension had finally found its release valve. If my dad ever knew I was having anxiety, he'd know I was weak, Sid said, wiping the tears from her cheeks like they were acid. My dad is tough. He's strong. He doesn't believe in anxiety or therapy. And if something has happened to him and he's up there looking down on me, I want him to know that it's finished. She was sobbing, an ugly, guttural cry. I'll never take another pill again. Kyle brushed angrily past the new instigator in the group toward Sid. Nice work, he said to Jeannie. He took Sid's backpack and guided her away from the group down the dark tunnel. Time to move, he announced. As they made their way to Marsden Station, two more trains full of recruits passed through the tunnel on the opposite side. The group crouched low against the wall, watching the trains rattle on to their destination. There are so many more, Trent remarked, after they were on their way again. What the hell's going on out there? 
We're almost at the station, so I think we need a plan, Kyle said. Sid stared forward as if she was herself a recruit. She hadn't spoken since her conflict with Jeannie, and Kyle wondered if she might even be in shock after Gil's accident. Sid, Kyle said gently, if your dad's place isn't an option. She whipped her head around to Kyle. I'm just saying, we don't know. I think we can agree, we just don't know what's out there, he continued. Sid looked back down the dark tunnel. Is there anywhere nearby we might be able to go? Sid remained silent. They all exchanged worrisome glances. We'll need food and rest, Trent said. A good hiding place to regroup. If my apartment's not an option, there's an abandoned warehouse three blocks west at Cambrian Dobb Street. You guys can go there, Sid said finally. I'll be staying. It's the only way Ben can find me if... There's a light, Denver said, stopping. No, there's a warehouse, Sid repeated. No, Denver said. Coming towards us, there's a light. They all stopped in their tracks. A train? Trent asked. On this side? It's flickering, Sid said. Shh. They listened. In the direction of the flickering light were voices, hooting and hollering voices. Crap, Trent said. Should we backtrack? It's not recruits, Jeannie said. Maybe we should cross over and hide. Kyle looked at Sid beside him. He was exhausted and scared of what might lie ahead. Every battle seemed to cost them a life, and he just wasn't willing to face what was ahead without living his truth. He dropped his pack and spun Sid around to face him. With determination, he grabbed Sid's face and kissed her eagerly. Sid's mind screamed out in resistance, but her mouth kissed him back. The sound of approaching voices broke her out of Kyle's spell. She pushed him away. We have to, we should, Sid started. Right, Kyle replied. Let's move. She adjusted her top and smoothed her hair, stealing a defiant glance at Jeannie, who shook her head and let out a disapproving puff of air. Sid brushed past Kyle and took the lead. Kyle strapped on his pack and pulled out a club. The others followed suit. The murmur of voices and flickering of lights edged closer and closer. Sid and the others stopped. Soon they could see the mob's homemade torches made of branches and rags, smell the burning kerosene. The mob spotted the smaller group and the murmuring stopped. We've come from the university, Sid called out. From the back of the mob of men, someone started pushing forward. Out of the way, out of the way, he told them. As dark as it was in that tunnel, the lights from the torches were enough to help Sid identify the man coming forward. She squinted, her jaw dropping as she slowly began to believe her eyes. It was her father. He passed his torch to another man and rushed to Sid. He lifted her up and spun her around as she squealed with delight. Kyle and the others watched them bemusedly. I can't believe it's you, Sid cried, crushing her father in an embrace that was uncharacteristic of her. What's with all the tears, her father asked. Of course I'm alive. You don't think your old man is going to let some bum attack his own citizens and get away with it? Then you know, Sid asked incredulously. Everyone else thinks it was terrorists. You know I have sources, her father said with a wink. It's not going to be easy, but we're spreading the word and we're going to take him down. After a moment or so, the mob and the group gathered around them. 
We were coming for you, little lady, an older man said to Sid. Looks like you didn't need our help too much. She's her father's daughter, Sid's dad announced proudly. Sid took her father's hand and introduced her group one by one. This is my father, Jack, she said to each of them. Her father shook their hands, thanked them all for taking care of his only daughter. She's been the one taking care of us, Kyle corrected him. Jack beamed. Where's Ben? he asked Sid. She looked away from Kyle, shook her head. I don't know, she answered. So much has happened, I've so much to tell you. What's the plan, Lieutenant? Another man asked. Daddy, Sid whispered, guiding her father aside for a semi-private conversation away from Kyle. I have to find Ben. Even after everything that's happened, she said, looking back at Kyle. I owe him that much. The lieutenant nodded and turned toward the men. There may be more who need help at the campus, he announced. Your participation was a personal favor to me, and I won't think less of you if you choose to leave, now that my girl is safe. But I'm asking whoever's willing to come along to the university. The murmuring swelled up once again. I'm in, a few of them replied. There were some cheers and whoops, some high fives. Let's get them, someone shouted. Not one of them turned back. Sid faced her own group. I don't expect any of you to come, she said. This is my own crusade. And if any more of you got hurt, I'd never forgive myself. She looked directly at Kyle. No way I'm going home now, Kyle said. Me either, Trent chimed in. Sid walked to Denver, Jeannie and Andrew. You are still welcome to go to my house, she offered. I'll get one of these guys to take you there. What's it like, out there, Sid asked her father. Would they be safe at the apartment? Jack nodded. Long as they mind the curfew, they should be all right. Andrew might want to lay low. They're taking boys in. Me and the fellas here have been hiding out. Guess you could call us deserters. Andrew stomped his foot. Well, I'm not going to go into hiding somewhere with two girls. Denver and Jeannie looked at each other and laughed. In a couple years, you'll change your tune, Jeannie said. Anyway, I think I'll stick with the group. Denver shifted from one foot to the other. Well, I can't exactly go there alone, so I guess the decision's made for me. We're wasting time here. I think we ought to get moving, Jack said. Troops, fall in. He and Sid's group walked in front. They did an about-face and started heading back toward the university's subway station. It was time to find Ben. You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Trisha Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller.